is my hope and prayer that as we enter into the message and the time of teaching today, that we do so with that attitude of lament, that we can pick up where we left off, crying out to God, how long, God? How long? I invite you to watch the screens as we watch an intro video that will set us up for today. So I went to a rooftop where I could see the whole city. And I waited for God to answer my question. Get a pencil and write this down, he said. Because when you hear what I have to say, you're going to want to tell everybody. So there you go. We're going to be picking it up once more with the book of Habakkuk. And it's a small book in the Bible. It's very small. Does anyone remember how many chapters it is? Three. Yeah, three chapters. So it's this very small book in the Bible. And uh, uh, you'll remember that the Bible is a collection of books. This is one book of the Bible. And it's towards the middle. Well, sort of. It's there. I know that really helps you all. But um, you can use the table of contents. I strongly encourage you to bring a Bible, whip out your Bible apps, bring out your phones, your iPads, as we kind of walk through Habakkuk together. Last week, we began with kind of the first chapter, and we walked our way through all the way into chapter 2. We went all the way into chapter 2. And uh, does, um, does anyone remember what Habakkuk is, is feeling and seeing? I mean, in the very beginning, he kind of lays it out for us, what, 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 what the problem is. And when he stands up, he stands out and he cries out to God, and he says, God, the world looks like, who remembers what it looks like? Shout it out. None of you remember anything from last week. Whew! What's well, good? Maybe I should hear the sermon for today. Okay. A um, little gospel for me, maybe. Here we go. So, I will help you. Uh, something like this. This is what the world looks like for him. You remember this? Right? Right? It looks like, oh, that's why you guys were all joining online because of the snow. Oh, I feel a little better now. Okay. Um, yeah. The, the world in Habakkuk's time, Habakkuk is crying out because the world is full of violence. It's full of injustice. It's full of despair and misery and pain and suffering. And, and, and he's looking at his world and he says, God, what gives? God, this isn't right. God, there's too much violence and pain and injustice in our world. By the way, these were all taken from articles that I found over this past week. He's looking at his world and he says, God, there's, there's, there's brokenness in our world and in my life. God, this is not right. This is not fair. Do something. And God says, okay, Habakkuk, all right. I, I can see that you're upset. Understandably so. The world is broken. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering in the world. So, so I've got a plan for a Habakkuk. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise up the Babylonians, a foreign army, a cruel and violent people. I wish I could like drool or spit at that moment just to get the, like, the real emphasis there, right? 
I mean, this is a, a cruel and violent people. And he goes on to describe them. And is at the very end, he says, their, their God is their strength. And they're going to come in. The wrecking crew is going to come in. And since, since it's so messed up in your world, your city, your, 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 my people, the Jewish people at that time, Israel, is so messed up and there's so much violence and, and there, there's perversion in the courts and there's injustice and stuff. We're going to raise up this foreign army. They're going to come in and they're going to wipe the slate clean. What do you think, Habakkuk? Sound like a plan? What's Habakkuk's response? Say what? You're going to do what? God, you got to be crazy. You got to be nuts. God, that's a terrible idea. God, if you bring in the wrecking crew and you wipe us out, I mean, you're eternal. You're holy. You live forever. I don't. I am mortal. You bring in a foreign army. That's 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 not a very good long term solution. You got to rethink this, God. So, so, okay, all right, God says, fine. Habakkuk, I see where you're coming from. And he says, look, let me make this perfectly clear to you, Habakkuk. Let me make this clear, because this is a serious issue. Brokenness, violence, evil in our world, this is a serious issue. Habakkuk, let's be perfectly clear. This is what God says to him. This is uh, uh, chapter 2. He says, look, Habakkuk, I'm about to give you a vision for a future time. It describes the end. It will be fulfilled. I, I, I get that, it, you know, it's going to seem like it's slow in coming. It's not here yet. It's the future. But wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Habakkuk Look at the proud. Look at the, look at the powerful. Look at the greedy. Look at the people where, where it seems that they're the ones who are winning and injustice and violence are their ways and greed and, 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 the, and, and there's poverty and pain. I know, I know that, it, that it looks like the proud are winning, winning. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But Habakkuk, the righteous will live by their faithfulness to me. The righteous will live by their faithfulness to me. I know that life seems unfair, Habakkuk. I know that you have so many questions, they're not answered, Habakkuk. I get that, 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 that none of this makes sense to you, Habakkuk. But I'm asking you, I'm telling you, Habakkuk, the righteous, righteousness is this church word. Righteousness is a church word. And it, and it means right relationship with God. That's what righteousness means. Right relationship with God. So, he's, so, so God is saying, Habakkuk, those who are in right relationship with me, those whom I love, those whom I care for, those who I steward and, and watch over, those who are my people, the righteous, they will live faithful to me. And what's implied here, what's implied is that, that we have to wait for the future. A future, by definition, means that it's not here yet, right? 
I mean, if it was the future was here now, it would be called, yeah, the now, the present. It wouldn't be the future. And so there's, there's, there's an implied understanding where God is saying, look, there is going to be a time. There is going to be a time between the present, now, and my coming future. And in this future, it's pure, it's good, it's holy, it's precious, and there's going to be an end to the pain, and there's going to be an end to the suffering, and, and there's going to be celebration and, and jubilee, and it's going to be awesome. But that's the future. And we're still in the present. And there is time and life that needs to be lived up until the future. So God says, during that time, be faithful to me. Be in right relationship with me. Trust me. Trust in my coming future. Be faithful as you wait. I don't like waiting. Do you like waiting? Yeah, no one likes waiting. I mean, come on. Right? Really? Like, I don't like to wait for the Netflix thing to load where it says the buffering. It drives me nuts. My wife tells me, you know, just calm down, right? I get up and sometimes I get so frustrated. I break up like seven tabs in a row on like a web page. Why? Because I don't want to wait. So I'll bring up something else. I don't want to wait. That's the world that we live in, right? I want it and I want it now. If someone has a question, you whip out your phone and you Wikipedia the answer. Why? Because you want the answer now. I don't like to wait. Waiting's hard. Waiting's tough. It's uncomfortable. And the reality is, it is necessary. Because God's future is not here now. It is the future. So waiting is part of our lives. Our lives are really lived out in that waiting time. So the challenge to be faithful during that waiting period is actually a pretty heavy challenge. I mean, it's no small challenge. I mean, it's not like Habakkuk is looking at God and saying, okay, God, gotcha. <laughs> Makes sense to me. I mean, Habakkuk doesn't, doesn't respond and say, God, oh, you are so wise and you are so good and you are so holy and your future is coming. I'll just patiently wait for you. No, this is hard. This is a challenging. Did anyone ever, I mean, some, sometimes this happens. I talk with people all the time as a pastor, and they say, you know, I thought that when I became a Christian, life would be good and chummy. Like everything would be solved and fixed. Has that happened to anyone? If it has, come see me and tell me how. Because the reality is that as far as I can tell, my life is not yet perfect in this world, according to the news. God's future has not yet arrived. And so the question becomes as a Christian, how do I faithfully live as I wait? How do I wait? How do I live? Because I have to live. It's not like I can put on pause or skip past something. I can't go to the end of the book. And skip past my life now. I have got to figure out a way to live in this in-between waiting time. I think the other challenge to this, there's a real, um, 
reality to this waiting period. This is, this is the question I've been pondering all week. You know, what does faithfulness look like in that waiting period? And the waiting period is really hard because when I look at the present, it's depressing. I mean, do you remember last week? We lamented the present. We wept over the present. We prayed, God, why is there injustice in our world? God, why is there suffering in our world? God, there's, there's, there's mess everywhere in our world. God, the present is a challenge. And it threatens to overwhelm me. It threatens to overcome me. Right? And this is where Habakkuk is. We left off right here. Where he's, he's looking at his present and he knows God's promised his future. But the present is so overwhelming that it threatens to take over his life. That waiting period is, is, is being threatened by the brokenness of now. What does this mean? What does this look like? It's kind of abstract. In a concrete way, this means that broken marriages, broken relationships, challenges with, 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 with war on the TV... When your kids make mistakes and you don't know what to do as a parent. When, when, when your self-esteem is low and, and, and you're at work and, well, let's say you, you don't have work. Why? Because you lost your job. That's now. That's the challenge of now. That's our present. Where the economy goes up and down. And it feels real good, and then all of a sudden, 2008 happens, and whoa! People lose their life savings. That's our now. It's it's, it's, it's characterized by when kids go to school, and I met with a kid earlier this week, and he said there are drugs all over his school. He was in class, and they were doing a drug deal next to him. It's a high schooler. I mean, that's the world that we live in. It's characterized by this. And, and the fear is, the challenge is that in our waiting period, that it's so big and it's so daunting and it's so overwhelming that this, this creature of brokenness and despair will dictate how we wait. Where we look at that and we say, man, I give up. My life, this world is tough, it's hard, that future isn't here yet. It's too much. I give up. Despair, you win. I'm not going to fight anymore. I'm not going to try anymore. I'm not going to trust God's future anymore. Because everything in my life, when I look around, says that the present is broken and there's no hope for a different future. So God, forget your future. This is my now. And it's, it's going to dictate how I live my life while I wait. That's the temptation. The temptation is where despair wins in your life. 
That's what we're fighting against. That's what Habakkuk is fighting against. So let's look at Habakkuk's response. This is where Habakkuk is. He's stuck in this waiting spot. He's stuck in this middle spot. He's got God's future in front of him. But boy, despair is looming. Here we go, chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 2. This is, this is Habakkuk's response. It's, ama- it, it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. I've heard about you, Lord. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works, things that you've done in the past. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you have in years gone by. In your anger, remember your mercy. I see you, God, here on this earth, moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One, coming from Mount Paran. Your brilliance, it's your splendor. It fills the heavens. The earth, it's, it's full. It's filled with your praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is still yet hidden. Jumping down to verse 17. This is where it gets good. Jump down to verse 17. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. It's a beautiful piece of poetry, actually. It's written in poetic form in the Hebrew. It almost complements. He he opens the book with poetic lament. This is poetic defiance. (laughs) This is poetic thrown it in the face of the world. I mean, look at what he says. He says, you know, even though the fig trees, the fig trees, uh, major production line in Israel, I mean, if there's no fig blossoms, there's no figs. There's no figs, there's no food. No food, would you say that's a problem? There are no grapes on the vines. Yeah, that would definitely be a problem. We all know where uh, grapes go. I'm just being honest. This is a tough world. Even though the olive crop fails, the fields lie empty and barren. There's no food out there. There's no harvest to reap. Even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Even though when he stands there and he looks around and everything in the world says despair should win, Habakkuk learns to live a life of faith. 
Faith isn't easy answers. Faith isn't making sense of it all. Faith isn't, God, oh, you're so wondrous and divine, and now I get it, and, and I'm just going to be happy, joy, joy all the time. That's not what faith is. Faith is the willingness to look at our world, to look at the brokenness of our situation, to look at despair in the face and say, yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet, I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. Faith is about the willingness to endure this waiting time until God's future. Where we say, despair, you cannot have me. Despair, I already belong to God. It's where we, we, we look at our world and we say, you don't own me. I belong to an eternal God who has claimed me and named me, who has baptized me, who has surrounded me with good godly people, who pours into me, who loves me, who cares for me, who will walk me through the present waiting into his glorious future. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's not going to be convenient. But faith is the willingness to grab a hold of God's hand and to walk towards his future and not let despair and the brokenness of our lives dictate how we live. When despair comes to you as, as you're in the nursing home and, 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 and despair says you've only got a couple days left, just die quietly. God's people, faithfulness to God says, no, I got more in store. And I'm going to make the most of these couple days. You don't win. You don't own me. I've got God. And I'm holding his hand. And I'm going to make the most of right now. I mean, faithfulness is when those temptations, it's when that high schooler that I was talking to, when, 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 when someone comes to him and offers him drugs, and he's tempted to say, well, you know what, the world sucks already. I guess I'll self-medicate with some drugs. It's saying, no, no despair. You don't win. You don't own me. I already belong to an eternal God who has claimed me and named me as his own child, and you don't win. I'm going to live for God in God's future as I wait for It's where despair comes to you and, 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 and you struggle in your job and, and you're feeling overwhelmed and, and someone comes against you. And, and sometimes this happens. I, personally, I struggle sometimes where like a spirit of uh, uh, self-deprecation, uh, just really, you really, you don't feel good enough, right? Where, where you just, it's almost like a bodily force comes against you. You just don't feel good about who you are and who you are as a person. And, and it, it's so overwhelming at times that you just want to wallow in apathy and self-pity and, and ooh, despair, you win. And yet faithfulness to God is saying, look, God is holding me and I am holding on to him. And you don't own me. God owns me. 
and he's bringing about his future. Faithfulness in this waiting time, in this in-between time, is poetic defiance. It's defying despair. So when the world comes against you and it says, hey, just give up on your marriage, it's so broken already, you say, no. No, God's got a future for my marriage. It's, it's when the world comes, comes against you and says, your kids are so messed up, man, you should just forget it. And you say, no, I'm going to love them and I'm going to pour into them because, because I believe God's got a future for them. Jeremiah 29, I have a future plans for you. Faith is that willingness to defy despair in light of God's future and know that you are claimed. That God loves you. And He, the eternal God, owns you. And He's going to bring about His future for you. Despite everything that you see. Faith is not blind. Faith sees quite well but it leans into and grabs a hold of God's promise and God's future. Martin Luther describes, uh, describes this as holding on to, I keep using the image. Um, sorry, I just went on a tirade, sorry. <laughs> I get excited about this stuff. It makes a difference. I mean, have you ever felt this? Have you ever experienced this? Where something in the world comes against you and you feel ready to give up? What a blessed word that God says, No, you're mine. That violence, that injustice, that despair, that brokenness, that, 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 that overwhelming sense that you can't win. And that, I own you. You're mine. You're my child and I love you. And that's not going to win. I win. I'm God. Martin Luther uses this image of holding on to God's hand. That's what faith is. It's holding on to God's hand and his willingness to hold on to God's hand despite the wind, despite the waves, despite everything that comes against us, to hold on to God's hand and say, despair, step off. So to close today, last week we spent time praying together and lamenting. This week we're going to do something different. I invite you to pull out your sheets, your half sheets. You got half sheets, those handouts? Okay, if you don't got one, it's okay. You can get one on the way home, uh, on the way out. Because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite the band forward at this time, and they're going to play a song. And I'm going to invite you to use this time as quiet reflection, as contemplation. And on the back side of the handout, on the back side of that half sheet, there's a place to draw. Oh, yeah. Drawing. It can be a stick figure. It can be, a, it's going to be you, however you picture yourself saying, despair, you don't own me. Violence, you don't own me. Injustice, you don't win. I belong to God. So I invite you to take this time. They're going to play a song. It's about moving through this brokenness and this time. And I encourage you to name a despair that's come against you and to draw yourself 
holding on to God's hand. Why don't you take some time and do that?